Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to episode 181 of The Invisible World. I'm your host, Frank Todaro. Well, it's the first full episode of 2016. Now, if you guys are keeping track at home, yes, there was an episode between this one and episode 180. But that was the new music special, so it doesn't count number-wise. Now, on that show, I did talk about sort of a uh, soft reboot of the show. Now, it's nothing too crazy. We're still going to have the paranormal news right at the front end. But that's not all. Each episode from here on, we're going to try this out, is going to have something special in the second half, be it an interview or an event covered and so forth. Kind of like what the show used to be back in 2010, 2011. So naturally, I couldn't think of a better way of kicking off the future than returning to the past. There's a Beast Machines joke in there somewhere. This episode, we talk to Mr. Daniel Reiser. Long-time listeners might remember Daniel from early episodes where he would dial in as a commentator on the Campfire Shows, our listener story episodes. And later on, he was a fixture on the program as the Chewy to my Han. Well, my good friend and comrade in arms is going to be our first guest right out of the gate to talk about all sorts of things ranging from this current wave of flat-earth belief and more nerdity. So we'll catch up with him later. We did have to truncate that interview as it was crazy long because we do tend to talk. I'll post the full interview later on. Now, before we jump into the paranormal news tonight, I want to take a minute to talk about this bizarre phenomenon. Now, we've talked about this a lot of times on the show before, and that is mysterious booms that have been reported across the country, across the globe, really. Now, this is something that we're going to also touch on in the interview, so uh, forgive me if I repeat myself. About a week ago, I threw a link to an article on the Invisible World's Facebook page. It was about these strange sounds heard in New Jersey. Now, immediately... The moment I posted that, people on my personal Facebook, I shared it in the, on my regular page too, through the show's Facebook and through the show email, theinvisibleworldshow at gmail.com, I got all these private messages about similar stories from folks who also have heard these strange, booming noises. Some of them I know personally, some of them are new friends and listeners like you. So just what is happening? We don't have an explanation, could be something completely mundane, but definitely something to keep on your radar and we'll get back to that in just a few moments. But it is time to kick off the... Paranormal News. Now, first off, we're not going to have a UFO roundup tonight, so throw these UFOs right on the top. Apparently, over in India, a military fighter jet shot down a UFO over Rajasthan. So already the media, well, the outlets that carry this sort of stuff at least, is referring to this as India's Roswell. I first read about it on The Inquisitor, so that's what I'm going to be basing a lot of this off of. But it was spread all around to the usual sites. Again, they're using the Roswell incident as this gold bar standard in UFO phenomena, which I've kvetched about ad nauseum, so we'll stop there. According to the Indian Air Force, the object, which was described as suspicious, was intercepted by a fighter jet after showing up on radar over the Barmer district near the border of Pakistan. The area was later investigated by local law enforcement agencies who recovered a selection of cone-shaped objects from the crash site and sent them to the Air Force for analysis. 
One of the spokesmen said between 10.30 and 11 a.m., Tuesday, January 26, 2016, or he said today, well, it was that day, an unidentified balloon-shaped object was picked up by the Indian Air Force, the A, the IAF radar. An IAF fighter was launched, which intercepted the object and brought it down. Materials have been retrieved, and further investigation is ongoing. Now, since appearing online, naturally, interest in this thing exploded, no pun intended, and everyone is speculating that this could have been some sort of spy plane or drone or what have you. Shaped like a balloon, clearly. But now comes the real reason I wanted to start the show with this story. Local residents had reported hearing a total of five explosions at the time the UFO was shot down, some powerful enough to cause cracks to appear in buildings. See what I mean? Now I'm going to jump here over to that story that popped up in New Jersey last week. I say this because this was reported by the local CBS affiliate, no longer being relegated to sites with pictures of gray aliens next to their title graphics. This is mainstream media. Law enforcement agencies had been left baffled by a spat of unexplained explosions in Fairlawn, New Jersey. As I said earlier, the phenomenon has been reported in several countries over the last few years, and now residents of this small town in New Jersey have become the latest to hear a series of mysterious booms that some have likened to the sound of a cannon from days of old when it's being fired. Local resident Danielle McManus is quoted in this one article. She and her family are just some of the witnesses who came forward with this, saying we were like looking at each other, like... What was that? If we didn't know any better, it almost sounded like a cannon. It was just so deep and just like echoey. Personally, I think CBS could have cleaned that quote up a little bit, removing some of the likes, making her sound a little better. But accuracy is accuracy, and I do appreciate that. Farallon police have been searching the area for clues, but have so far come up empty. Now, this brings me to the stories that you guys have been sending me. Now, again... Now again, not saying that this is the Zeta Reticulans skeet shooting in the sky, but there's still something, and there's still no explanation. Definition of unexplained. So, this first one was sent to me from New Jersey, and reads, The last few nights, I've been hearing weird noises late at night around 3 or 4 in the morning, out behind my house. My house backs off to another set of houses in Jersey City, but it's a fairly quiet area. The nearest train station is a decent amount of walking, so it's not the trains, or else I'd be hearing it more often. So I heard this boom, like one night, four days ago. And then the next night. I figured it might be a truck or something, but last night I heard it three times in a row between 3 and 4 a.m., and they didn't sound like trucks or trains or anything of that sort. I've heard construction explosions, actual explosions. I've lived next to a freight line my whole life, but this sounded nothing like those things. This sounded weird, like it was in the air, made by a plane, except it didn't sound like a plane either. I'm sure it also has a mundane explanation, too, but it's odd. And indeed it is. But she's not the only one. There are reports out of Astoria, Queens, my old stomping ground, about similar noises heard throughout the night, saying it sounded oddly hollow, like thunder, and then like a car backfiring. And that wasn't the only person in that neighborhood who heard these things, so clearly it wasn't in their heads. Out of East Texas, one person said that they had strange booms a few weeks back. There were no explosions reported in the area, but it was enough to shake at least two houses that they know of. Up in Canada, more booms. Outside of London, more booms. 
One person sent me a message from Kansas saying that they saw a boom and shortly afterwards a bright flash in the sky with no noise at all. So who knows just what's going on here. But keep sending me your reports and maybe we can make something up that sounds reasonable. <laughs> I guess that's all we can do. Unless some alien visitors or the inventor of a CIA weather control device pops out into the media and says, Hey guys, it was me. All we can do is speculate right now. Which, of course, is not the answer you want to hear, but it's the only one we have. All we can do is rule out the mundane reasons that this might happen. It wasn't an explosion that we're aware of. It wasn't a machine cleaning snow off the tracks after the blizzard. Just something strange. For now. But I'm sure the truth is out there, and hopefully we'll get it one day, and that's my segue to talk about the X-Files. Now, there's an actual story here, but first I'm going to gush a little bit about the show. The X-Files came back after years with Season 10. I believe it's going to be a six-episode sort of quick thing. Mulder and Scully back together on Fox every Monday, I think it is now. They're not paying me to say this, of course. I'm doing so because The X-Files is probably a huge portion of why you are listening to me today. Not just because of your interest in the paranormal, but mine. It was a show that brought to the forefront of people's minds certain things that were going on in the world of the paranormal. Certain ideas that you may not have gotten from the random Channel 9 documentary or watching Close Encounters of the Third Kind. But there was more to it than just showing the masses who the Mothman and the Chupacabra are. Series creator Chris Carter claims that he once thought the real FBI was going to shut him down. According to him, the original series might have never gotten off the ground in this recent interview, which he's sort of echoed this before in interviews, but this is back in the news now, what with the show's return and all, and hey, I'm just going to do my part. So there was this series of events that led him to wonder whether or not these conspiracy theories that he was exploring on the show might be a little bit closer to the truth than he thought before. He says, when I wrote the pilot, I called the FBI to do some research, and they were nice enough but didn't really give me the time, he said recently while talking to the Huffington Post. Then, as we got close to airing, the FBI called and said, Who are you, and what are you doing? And for a second, I thought it was going to be the long arm of the law shutting me down. Now, also, during the run, this is actually a really fun story that you guys might know already, but he references it here, saying that he had someone come up to him during the original run who said that they worked in some high place in a secret government agency, and also told him, that they were very close to the truth. So apparently it's not only out there, but bits of it might be hidden in the first nine seasons of The X-Files. Now that said, a few quick words about this current manifestation of the show. That first episode was exactly what I would imagine the evolution of everything that they spoke about in the first nine seasons would be to the current era. Encapsulating the three that have aired so far... Man, does that hit close to home. Both the disillusionment, the pulling it all back together after things have been disproved and proved and pushing forward with mysteries, or lack thereof, that cause new mysteries. It was quite honestly a love letter to anyone interested in this stuff at all. Not to mention, if you are an old school fan, we got a mythology, a standalone, and a monster of the week, three episodes right off. Duchovny and Anderson have not skipped a beat. I'm a big fan of Skinner's new beard, and the new character they introduce in that first episode is pretty damn intriguing. Plus, I'm a big fan of Community as well. So, thanks for bringing on Joel McHale. So I'm not going to gush any further here, but to sum up, 
check it out. I think it's uh, I think it's for free online. You can watch the first three episodes now on the Fox website. And there you have it. Lots of mentions of uh, big news outlets. CBS, Fox, jeez. I think I'm going to need a sponsor. Now next up, the big story of this past week was that astronomers in the U.S. believe that there could be this giant, this huge, large, undiscovered planet within our own solar system. Now rumors of Planet X or Nibiru or however you want to call it, have been going around for years. But a team from the California Institute of Technology has put forward this idea, sort of a convincing case, to suggest that the ninth planet, which we'll still call Pluto, but this new planet could actually exist. And not only exist, but it is likely ten times larger than Earth. Obviously no direct observations of such a world have yet been made, but astronomers believe that there is strong evidence for its existence, based on the way that other far-flung objects are moving. So their calculations indicate that this undiscovered planet should be orbiting around 20 times further out than the Sun, than the current furthermost planet, Neptune. So just take that into account. So just take that into account. A year would last 20,000 of our years. That's just doing one single lap around the Sun, 20,000 years. So it's out there. Quote here from Dr. Mike Brown, the most distant objects all swing out in one direction in a very strange way that shouldn't happen. And we've realized that the only way we could get them to swing in one direction is if there's a massive planet, also very distant in the solar system, keeping them in place. There are many telescopes here on Earth that actually have a chance of being able to find it, and I'm really hoping that as we announce this, people start a worldwide search to go find this ninth planet. Of course, this is going to be one of the hugest discoveries of our time, if this is actually true. Not to mention so many people will latch on to this to have it corroborate whatever they want to believe about that mysterious planet out there. Now, I'll say, this is outside of what we consider that Goldilocks zone for life. But who knows what form life takes? If it does exist, how fun would it be if there was something out there? If there was something visiting us? Of course, I'm just throwing non-scientifically thought jargon out there onto the radio show. But a lot of people say, why would you visit this one random planet if there are so many, judging by that equation, that are out there? Well, what if we're neighbors? What if we live in the same zip code? Just food for thought. But life on our own planet is nothing new, being around for millions upon millions of years. Which brings us to our next story from Red Orbit, a fossil belonging to one of the oldest known species of Jurassic dinosaur has been unearthed in Wales. Now, as discovered by uh, researchers for the Universities of Manchester and Portsmouth, this new species is believed to date back to over 200 million years in the very beginning of the Jurassic era, and is one of the oldest Jurassic dinosaur specimens ever found. So cool, new dinosaur. Why is this fun? Here's why. It's named Dracoraptor Hanagani which means dragon thief. The species has been lightheartedly referred to as a real-life version of the national symbol of Wales, the dragon. Now, co-author of this study, Stephen Vidovic, is quoted as saying, The Triassic-Jurassic extinction event is often credited for the later success of the dinosaurs through the Jurassic and Cretaceous periods. But previously, we knew very little about the dinosaurs at the start of this diversification and rise to dominance. Now, the specimen is only the fourth of new species discovered in the United Kingdom since 1980. It's believed to be a carnivorous theropod, and due to its small size, was also probably a juvenile, this particular specimen. Another co-author, Dr. John Nudds, said the fact that it comes from so early in the Jurassic period, when theropod dinosaurs were evolving 
rapidly. It makes it even more valuable to science and will hopefully tell us a lot about dinosaur evolution at this time. Now, while we're over in the British Isles, let's skip over to a little body of water where one of our favorite things in the world is splashing about, and that is Nessie. The Daily Record has reported that sonar equipment aboard a cruise boat has determined that Scotland's famous lake is actually a lot deeper. We love Nessie. There's a tiny Loch Ness monster that lives in the pocket of my jacket and has been doing so for about 10 years. And while there's no conclusive evidence that a creature actually lives down there, Keith Stewart, a skipper aboard a Jacobite cruise vessel that frequents the lock, has revealed for the first time the existence of a deep crevice situated at the very bottom of its murky depths. The discovery, which was made using sonar equipment aboard the boat, means that Scotland's biggest lake, which is previously thought to be about 813 feet deep, is actually 889 feet deep. Doesn't sound like a lot, but it's enough to have people wondering, and also encourages people who want to believe that Nessie is actually down there. Here we have this huge swath of unexplored underwater expanse, which, according to that Daily Record article, could serve as an effective refuge for a large creature living in the lock. Stewart says he really wasn't a believer of the monster beforehand, but two weeks ago I got a sonar image of what looked like a long object with a hump lying at the bottom. It wasn't there when I scanned the lock bed earlier. And that's where I'm going to leave it, because I want to believe. And finally, this is exciting, because it's kind of a mixture of mainstream science and the not-so-mainstream science that usually gets dismissed as science fiction from the new scientist. A lot of science word here. An astronomical anomaly thought by some to be an alien megastructure. We spoke about this before on the show likening it to the Dyson Sphere from the episode Relics of Star Trek The Next Generation. So this thing has continued to defy explanation. It was originally picked up between the constellations Cygnus and Lyra by the Kepler Space Telescope back in 2009. The star is known as KIC 8462852, and it is an enigma. Unlike most other planet-hosting stars, which exhibit slight periodic dips when their planets pass in front of them, this one seems to be exhibiting extremely erratic dips, indicative of a large, tightly packed assortment of matter in orbit around it. So back in October, this thing was all over social media and whatnot, astronomer Jason Wright suggested that this could indicate the presence of a megastructure, big giant construct in space, one built by perhaps an advanced alien civilization. Now, of course, this is part of the whole point of SETI, looking for signs of intelligent extraterrestrials by observing stars, by looking up. So later reports attempted to play down this idea by suggesting that this whole thing was just a cloud of comets in orbit around KIC 8462852. But now a renewed research effort has discovered that the star had actually been dimming gradually for over a century, a fact which seems to discount the comet theory and leaves astronomers once again scratching their heads. Astrophysicist Bradley Schaefer is quoted in this one article, saying the comet family idea was reasonably put forth as the best of the proposals, even while acknowledging that they were a poor lot. But now we have a refutation of the idea, and indeed of all published ideas. End quote. So the explanation that made the most sense makes much less sense a few months later. There's a lot more to the whys and wherefores of the idea that the comets are producing the phenomenon and the refutation of that idea, but this is, in general, 
what the whole story is about. Basically, there's a mystery. Hey, let's get rid of the mystery because it's probably this thing that makes sense because we understand it. And then, hey, that thing that we understand is no longer a thing, or rather not likely a thing, so we're back to our original mystery. And you can't ask for more than that. Well, you can, but you're just not as likely to get it. Now, there's a heck of a lot more things that have been going on in the last few weeks. What with NASA Curiosity's rover, NASA's Curiosity rover photographing a large wall of sand in the Martian desert, a huge first, a computer program successfully finding the largest prime number ever discovered, Here's some exciting stuff, and a bevy of UFO sightings across the country. But as I said in the top of the show, we have an interview tonight. Now, I do have to apologize. I tried a new feature when patching Dan in and used Blog Talk Radio to pre-record this interview. So I used their internal audio interface, and some things get a little bit choppy on my end, but you hear him fine, and that's the point. You guys hear me all the time. So there's minimal chopping and sewing here and there. The only thing you're really going to miss is me making a Star Wars joke in the beginning, which I already made at the top of this show. Chewie to my Han. There you go. We're all caught up. Without further ado, Mr. Daniel Reiser. Maybe I shouldn't say that, actually, because that's going to spoil some people, isn't it? You think? Her, 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 her. <laughs> Let me start yes, that again. The wounds. The yeah. wounds still keep... Yeah, you know what, wounds. honestly? It's been like two months. I think we are safe to actually yeah. say certain things. The movie is actually coming out on Blu-ray in like this a month and true. a half from now. This is true. Like, how so, long do you think a spoiler really, like, how, how long of a spoiler wait time-wise after a movie comes out? Or do you think that there are other factors that determine that? My feeling is this. Um, a movie, a solid week. You know, some people, we mm. even gave it two weeks uh, for Star Wars just because it was like on a holiday time period that people might be a little busy. So I would say maybe during the holidays, like a two-week wave, a TV show, 24, maybe 48 hours, but nothing beyond oh, wow. there. I mean, Wow. You're a harsh, called, uh, stern taskmaster there. There's a thing called DVRs, downloads, <laughs> Hulus. You know, the show comes up. I have it DVR'd. If I couldn't watch it, if I'm saying, if I'm a person that I, that I would freak out if there's a spoiler, mm-hmm. then... Wait, then if I couldn't see it at 8 o'clock when the show came out, either I'm seeing it when I come home that night, or I'll mm-hmm. see it within the next day or so. Hence, 24 to 48 hours. Because if, wow. if you're waiting four weeks to see one TV show, not okay. only are you waiting four weeks, you're now four weeks behind all the other shows. This is true. I also so just uh, private messaged you, you knew a what you pictorial spoiler. So yeah, I think, I think we could say safely... I'm going to rip that Band-Aid off, pull right. had to shoot his um, gun because, you know, that... I am I not airing that. I'm not airing that. I'm not <laughs> airing that. That's that's so it's, mean. It's, it's I, just yesterday, I met somebody who had not seen Star Wars yet. And uh, and I don't want her to know that. I'm going to bleep you out. I might air okay. this, but I'm just going to add in out. Chewbacca noises over you because that's horrible. You're a horrible person. <laughs> so this is Mr. Daniel Reiser, my old sidekick from the Invisible World, dating years and years and years ago. You call me now Ming the Merciless. Indeed, Ming the Merciless. They go to the same barber. <laughs> Daniel Reiser. How have you been? I've been fantastic. We've been having unusual weather in New York. You know, uh, it indeed, was a blizzard indeed. last Sunday where we had whiteout conditions. 
uh, couldn't even get to a convention because it was just so white out, to now 50 oh, yeah. degrees. And all the blizzard weather is, is, is melting right now. So it's, we're kind of schizophrenic. New York is right that now John, schizophrenic weather. Did you see that John Harman video where he's walking around the convention and no one was there? And he kept talking yeah. about, uh, that was pretty fantastic. I love the John Barrowman feeds. You know, he's sitting there yeah. like, you know what? I have nothing else to do. I'm going to go make snow angels. I'm going to get the guys from Arrow to join me. <laughs> that, was that was wonderful. So, Dan, what have you been up to? We, we, just so you guys know, you longtime listeners, Dan used to be on the show all the time. He used to bring him on uh, in the beginning of the program for the uh, campfire shows where we would read your stories on the air, something we're actually bringing back this year, which – Dan might be coming back for if he agrees. Uh, you know, we're con- in contract negotiations right now. We'll see if, uh, oh, my arm is twisting. Ow. Ow. Well, <laughs> I used to uh, introduce him to my Han, which is where that whole intro came from for you guys who did not listen back then. He's also a member of the New York Jedi, New York City public school teacher, grew up in a haunted house and seen triangles fly overhead as he's driven across the country. Dan, anything weird going on now? I'll say I have not seen anything unusual, but being on the Internet, as we are these days, I'm (laughs) really surprised at the increased number of flat earthers I've been seeing on posts. You know, people have been posting up, oh, look at this scientific discovery, these EM warp drives that people are talking about, Um, you know, the weather conditions, oh, look at the satellite mapping, and the increasing number of people going, you know, you're just buying into the NASA conspiracy that the Earth is actually round. And then watching, like, the pages of online debate that people have been arguing and people providing evidence and proof that Earth is round, only to have responded, well, that's what they want you to believe. So the idea that there are people this day in the world of satellite imaging and spaceships that have traveled around the Earth, that the idea that the Earth is still round, is not round. And even though we've gone to the moon, well, the Earth looks flat. We're not seeing, you know, we're only seeing the flat side of the Earth. Wow. You know, I feel like when there's a certain level of disillusionment with other things in the world – to latch on to these strange theories and ideas that are already so outdated, uh, disproven over time and time again. But why do you think that is? I mean, you're you're a public school teacher. You deal with kids as they're developing their ideas on a daily basis. Do you know why what? do people I'll latch say, on to what they latch on to? I'll say this. It's interesting when teaching children, and I'm in the middle school range, so you know they're not babies, and they're starting to develop ideas of their own. There is, I'm noticing, especially as the years have been going on, a great mistrust of established details. You know, the textbook is now highly questioned by the students. Um, You know, the, the number of comments where you get, well, it's not like you actually traveled around the earth. You know, how do you know it's round? Or you weren't alive during labor, Abraham Lincoln's time. How do you know? And it's like, well, because, you know, even though I wasn't there, you know, there are historians that, you know, they recorded, you know, the president wrote journals, there were photographs, there were all this evidence out there. But it seems to me that it's not the evidence. It's, the evidence is fine, but there's a direct mistrust in the evidence 
in terms of the validity of the sources, that if it's evidence and it's even government-sanctioned evidence, there is a increasing mistrust where they're more likely to believe a meme on Facebook as opposed to a 10-year-old textbook filled with photos and pictures and re- uh, recordings from current events. It's a sort of seeing is believing idea. You weren't there. You didn't know Abraham Lincoln, so clearly you can't tell me what he said. But that also sort of works the other way that I see a lot of the uh, the UFO lore lately, where someone says they saw something, and they don't need to add that proof, because since it's a first-hand account, a lot of people adhere to it that way. Are you finding that too? Yeah, I mean, also because now with the internet, it gives a source of community for people to communicate with each other that know exactly where you don't actually have to sit there and be like, but no, no, seriously, seriously, guys, guys, no, listen, no, no, listen. It's like, no, no, we, we understand. We're, we're, we know exactly what you're talking about. It gives a greater ability for people to communicate their experiences, sightings, or personal events. And so we're looking at this, you know, we're in the beginning of this internet age. We're like, still like one years old. We're still like pooping yeah. in our pants and vomiting ourselves. You know, we really haven't come up with, like, what I'm hoping in – because I truly hope 200 years we're living on the moon or we're living on Mars that we're still not dealing with, like, how social media exists right now. Mm -hmm. Because that would be terrifying that imagine Captain Kirk is all, like, you know, he's leaning all, like, you know, smirking in his command chair – and there he gets a pad from the yeoman, and he's just updating his Facebook page going, you know, you know, <laughs> nothing seen in the neutral zone except, you know, those damn dirty Klingons are at it again. And then have General Kang go, I, I, I feel offended by your comment calling us da- uh, dirty. You know, that's just our Klingon way. And then just, ha- like, I, I'm terrified. Imagine a Star Trek episode where all we're dealing with is Kirk is dealing with his own, like, social media profile and appearance. <laughs> so what what is your solution? What is your ultimate solution uh, for this? A, a dissolving of all social media? A reconstruction of how we use it? Well, I think there's a level where, like, with a- anonymity, people have the ability to say the most horrendous things without any kind of consequence. Now, I'm not thinking there should be, like, a Facebook police that if I say something, you know, like, they should come over and either mind-wipe me or break a leg. Because that would just be crazy. Yeah. Wow. No, no, but, you know, uh, but, you know, I think the mores, our regular social mores of the real-life world have not entered the media world yet. You know, there's rules. Like, I can't just walk up to somebody. Now, people do, but, you know, those people then are looked upon like really strange people. I can't just walk over to a person and call them a name and, you know, without people looking at me like, dude, what's his problem? Here, you'll have people berate somebody and then get like 20 other anonymous people going, yeah, destroy that person. I kind of miss the old days of the message boards when there was a moderator who, you know, was a moderator for the whatever reason that person was a moderator. And if someone got out of hand, they would get virtually slapped and eventually kick banned if they kept doing it. There's no kick ban on the Internet. And you bring up a good point before that people have this new forum. But I guess the part part of the, the fun of it all is that 
it's not just people getting for everyone has a forum. Everyone yeah. can start their I can't tell you how many people have asked me about how to start their own radio show and I help them out or how to get into any other type of media that I can help them. Of course, I'm always helping. But it's so easy now. You can just do this on your own. You don't have and it's just within the last 3 years it's gotten so easy to have your voice be heard. And, oh, yes. and, and, and who determines whether idea. or not your voice should be heard is well, really the question. Well, that comes the question, because you get people where, yeah. just take the Star Wars movie that came up. You get yeah. like a couple of people like on 4chan that yeah, yeah, yeah. comment, and oh, then it Lord. explodes as if it's an actual thing. It's like, no, it's like these yeah. four people said something, and then yeah. people sell it and sell it. and sell. It's like, no, it's just like, oh, man. it's not even a, a, me, a main opinion. It's like these four people. Yet now, by repeating it over and over again, a minor comment or the view yeah. of this minor group gets so much more weight than they're actually either deserving or actually matches reality. And facts, exactly. Matt, uh, matching reality is completely superfluous because the facts that counteract or that counter what these people are saying are completely dismissed because it's a majority rule. And... In the end, isn't that all reality is a majority rule? I mean, just to get a bit esoteric here, we all agree that plants are green, so we call that green. That is the essence of majority rule. So it doesn't even matter if the information is wrong, the reality is invented, which, of course, factors a lot into what we talk about on this show. Whatever we want to believe, if enough people believe it, it becomes the truth. Exactly. Um no, it's it, that's exactly reality is what we make it to be. So it's a matter of this is a new reality. This you know, like remember watching like TV shows like VR Five on yeah. Fox. You know, where it's Absolutely. like virtual reality. That was the big thing back in the nineties. Eventually, mm-hmm. we'll all be living in this virtual space. But instead, we have this social space where it gets into interest. For, like people will have their Facebook feeds. And the interesting thing or trends that I'm seeing is like you might have a thread going on, and then someone comes in and you know tries to hijack your thread. So then yeah, you delete yeah. their comment, and then they throw a con- uh, they throw a, a hissy fit. How dare you uh, censor what I have to say, my words? And then you're like, look, it's my page. Like we're it's little spoiled yeah. of our own little ca- kingdom, and it's if there's no moderators, then we have to moderate our own page. Exactly. And then the people that we moderate throw a little hissy fits going, how dare you? I'm not going to be your friend anymore because how dare you censor me? Well, you're being censored. It's That's like someone coming to your living room and lighting up a cigarette and you saying, don't smoke in here. That's your house. That is your little message board, so to speak. You're absolutely right. And we've gotten so used to everybody being allowed to be heard and et cetera. And that's a good thing. Don't get me wrong. Everyone should have a voice. But sometimes the voices are wrong. Sometimes the voices should not be as loud as other ones, like the ones that say the earth is flat, to come back to that. And uh, it's interesting how the flat earthers are afforded the exact same forum that the people who have studied physics for their entire lives and make these valid points and valid scientific discoveries. It doesn't matter because on the Internet, everyone can start a blog. It's interesting. It's very interesting. And we've also entered a world where I read a web page, so that now gives me equal footing as that Nobel uh, award-winning physicist. 
I yeah. read a page. That I saw a YouTube video that says this. So, you know, I can negate everything that they said because I saw this one video. Very true. It's uh. Well, I, I'm, I'm realizing that we're also sounding like a bunch of grouchy old men the more we talk about this. I remember in the old days of the internet when Globe Chat was a thing. And, uh. I miss Globe Chat. Uh, it, I miss Globe Chat too. Uh, was that 1996? Jeez, 95. Yeah, 95 and ni- into 96. Gosh, man. Man, we are old. We are old. Now, before we, before we go too, too much, that's a really interesting topic. Uh, but we'll save that for next time you're on the show. Now, we went on to talk about Daniel's charity work, upcoming conventions, and so forth. As you guys remember, he's part of the lightsaber fighting group, the New York Jedi. There are actually a few groups out there that do this, but these guys were the first, and they do so for a good cause. So check them out online. Website's in the show notes. But we are cutting it close here. If I might wind things down with tonight's final thought. Now, in the interview, we touched on the idea of people having a voice. And in the heat of the discussion, we riffed here and there about the loudness of each of those voices that can be heard. Now, looking into Earth's mysteries is very different now than it was in, say, 1990. The Internet, specifically, affords everyone this level playing field where new ideas can be shared and exchanged and built upon. This is a fantastic tool, but also a dangerous one. Where the regulated media was believed to be full of lies by those who wanted to believe about 20 years ago. Nowadays, we're almost oversaturated with the mind stuffs of anyone who can log on to Reddit. Now, while the positives here do greatly outweigh the negatives when compared to yesteryear, you really have to be more cautious today. To go with the whole X-Files theme, say you have something you want to believe. I assure you, you will find corroborating ideas, even alleged facts, that will back that up, no matter how out there your initial idea is. Dogs are cats, Washington was a reptiloid, chances are someone will give you reason to believe what you set out to. So because we have such a wonderful forum of ideas at our fingertips, and also I implore you to go beyond the limits of your customized Facebook feed and check out other resources, you really have to pay more attention. Do your homework. Read even more. I tell you, it's a full-time job just existing in the modern era. It was almost easier when there was less available. But that's life, having taken the blue pill. The story ends, as Morpheus says, but there's surprisingly a whole lot more reading involved. And that's the end of this palindrome of an episode. 181, that was the joke there. Huge thanks to Mr. Daniel Reiser for coming back on and chatting with us for a bit. We'll definitely hear from him more later in the year. Big thanks to Trash80 for the intro and outro, to the Paranormal A Radio Network and station head Terry Koenig for carrying the show up in Canada and around the world. few quick plugs, new episode of Spirits and Spirits just around the corner. This time we hit a distillery in New Mexico, and, well, you can use your imagination as to the paranormal half of that one. Also related to radio, X Plus One has just put out its first podcast through the People's Improv Theater. Now, I mentioned this before on the show. Uh, X Plus One is a fully improvised 1940s sci-fi radio play. Improvised, made up on the spot by some very talented actors, which I do all the announcing for, Foley work, and I get to make up the soundtrack as we go with my magical laptop of holding. I laugh out loud from the lighting booth every time, so check it out. Shout out to Rachel Schur, 
Links in the show notes. And finally, on the next episode of The Invisible World, we talk about mysterious radio transmissions from the past 100 years or so. I'll, of course, have some audio clips from the still-unexplained phenomenon, so you don't want to miss it. Once again, thank you to everyone here and everyone out there. This has been The Invisible World. I'm Frank Todaro, reminding you to be good to each other and keep looking forward. (laughs) 